will certainly explore the requisite year in review. But the final week of news for 2018 is very important and instructive. We will start there on today's Corey Truax Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. I think I disclosed recently on the show that a faithful listener and generally nice guy, a guy named Wayne, who listens to Christian Talk 660, said in an email to me that I've mellowed, which he's, he's right, I've mellowed out a great deal, uh, it, partly just in terms of topic, talking about other things that aren't so purely political, and that allows me to, to mellow. What I'm about to do in this first segment, it's not going to be mellow. Uh, we're going to come back and hopefully even do some uh, some gear and review and talk about some Christmas things. I hope even, hope you had a very Merry Christmas coming off of Christmas week. I know that I did. It was a great time. But this last week of news has compelled me to go back and do some of the things I used to do. And so uh, as I've gained other listeners who like to talk about non-news things, well, there are some current events, some things taking place that are worth our examination in a deeper way. And that's convenient because we're on the Corey Truax Show where we are dedicated to smarter, deeper, better talk about everything. And that's what we're going to do in just a moment. By the way, my name is Corey Truax. I'll be your host for the hour. I am also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets at Greenville High School in downtown Greenville every Sunday morning at 1030. You are invited in the new year to to Beachwood Church. 1030 Sunday mornings, Greenville High School. We would love to see you there. Here is the first story that I want to address. I'm, I'm trying to decide if I'm... No, I'm going to make everybody mad. I think that's right. I think over these over the first minutes here of the program, absolutely everyone will get mad at me. And that's okay. That's what I'm here to do. I don't want to make everybody mad, but I do want to challenge everyone in their own thinking. So here's here's the first one. Do you remember a couple weeks ago with the story of the little girl from Guatemala who was in American detention? She was, she was picked up with her father by Customs and Border Patrol. They were in a detention center, and she started having seizures. Customs and Border Patrol actually ended up hel- putting her on a helicopter to a hospital in San Antonio where she later died. I believe the girl was seven or eight years old. She's just, it, it's just so sad. The whole thing is just so terribly sad. Now, what I just gave you was the facts that most of mainstream media, you're, by mainstream media, I just mean the standard sources of media, the, the legacy places that have been around forever. Those are the facts given to you. And folks that I love, folks that I genuinely admire that are on the political left, they, start, they started seeing this story as a symbol. It was a symbol of how the Trump administration is so racist. And it was a symbol about how conservatives don't really care about brown people. It was a symbol for things. And conservatives do this too with other stories, but it occurred to me that there was a whole group of people seeing the news as a symbol for other things they think. They saw the news, and the news was presented to them dishonestly in a way to so that they would see their own viewpoint being ratified. That I, of course, I'm right about what I think about the president or what I think about conservatives. 
If you listen to the show, I don't know, once, you know I'm not a fan of the President of the United States. I'm not trying to defend him here, but I am trying to get us to think deeply about the news that we consume. Because here's the actual facts of that case. That girl had been in this big group, like 100 people, walking through the desert trying to get to the United States. I understand that her dad... I mean, consider this. Consider, for the conservative side, if you were if you were acting... Uh, you weren't sad about this little girl dying and you were acting like it wasn't a big deal, if you were saying things like, well, don't try to cross the border legally and your girl won't die, if you were saying stuff like that that's atrocious and terrible, consider what you have to be as a dad, the situation you have to be in as a dad, where you decide we're going to leave our home, we're going to go through a treacherous miles and miles and miles long journey through the desert trying to look for a better life. Consider the life that you're in. That's not a terrible person that does that. That's a desperate person that does that. But consider this dad in this desperate situation that tries to go on this journey. He ends up probably unable, not likely willing. He is unable to feed his daughter for days. He is unable to get his daughter water for days. When they are picked up by Customs and Border Patrol, the little girl is in She's in custody for, I think it's eight or nine hours before all this goes down, before she starts having seizures. But for folks on the left, there was this symbol, this idea, well, you know what they did is they picked a girl up out in the desert, and they probably just put her in a cage and left her there for days, and she died. Is that what you think of Customs and Border Patrol? Is that what you think of your countrymen? That they picked a girl up and put her in a cage to die? That's what you think happened? This is what I'm talking about with that bias. This is what I'm talking about by having your viewpoint being ratified by the news. Listen to me carefully. The news is not a symbol. The news is the news. The news is not symbolic for you to feel good about what you already believe, to be to be built up in what you already think. Now, the news will sell itself that way to you if you're on the right or the left. Different outlets will sell themselves that way because they know you just want to feel good about what you already believe. But you... You can't possibly believe that. You can't possibly believe that people at Customs and Border Patrol like to see little girls die of starvation and being dehydrated. You can't possibly believe that, but man, does it feel good to think that about the president. It makes you feel really good to think he murdered a little girl because that makes you feel good about what you think. I'm, I'm hitting on the left right now, but the right does this too. It was just a story I saw that made me realize here near the end of the year all over again how poorly we consume the news. We consume it in a way just looking for the ways in which, well, we're right. All the assumptions we've ever had are right. We're not skeptical of ourselves, and we need to be. We're not skeptical of the news we consume, and we need to be. And it occurred to me how much of the news is symbolic, and I want to encourage you going into the new year, stop doing it that way. Go slow. Think through what you're actually assuming. Get all the facts. The, what, what happened to that little girl's tragic, but you know whose fault it is? Ultimately, it's her dad's. That's sad. He's in, he's in a desperate situation. There's, and I, I, from a Christian perspective, I want to try to find some way to contribute and help, help in those situations. But Customs and Border Patrol didn't kill that little girl. Donald Trump didn't kill that little girl. If you want to even say circumstances killed that girl, okay. But I, I know this, that news story was taken all the wrong ways and it turned into memes on the left to attack conservatives and Christians and the president for whatever reason. And it was indicative of a disease in all of our brains where we make our assumptions about people 
then we consume news and assume that we were right all along. That leads into this. Another way in which this last week of news going into 2018 is almost this microcosm of how broken the American brain is. I'm about to make the right mad now. Guys, the last week of news for, if you're a fan of the president, again, I'm not. Let me say it this way, and I'm saying it snarky. This is going to come across a smidge mean, but if you like the president, you obviously like mean. So here you go. You all said to me, if you don't vote for Donald Trump, then there's going to be a giant deficit. The debt's going to get way worse. And Planned Parenthood's going to stay funded. And there's not going to be any border security or border wall. And we'll, we're going to have gun regulation from just executive order. And the stock market will crash. All that's going to happen if you don't vote for Donald Trump. Well, listen, guys. You're right. I didn't vote for him. And that's exactly what we got. The President of the United States instituting from the executive branch, not going through Congress, just by himself having a bump stock ban, banning these devices that can turn semi-automatic weapons into firing like they're automatic weapons. I'm not even sure that I oppose that decision. But executive branch can't do that. That's not something that the executive branch has the power to do. And you be honest with yourself for a second. If Barack Obama would have done that, you'd call him a tyrant. You would have called him a dictator if he would have had any gun regulation whatsoever from the executive level. After Las Vegas happened, that's the, that's the guy that used the bump stock. That's something that people on the left were saying. Oh, we wish we could ban them from the executive level. We wish we were able to do that, but we're not even allowed to do that. We can't do that from the executive level. Well, your president just did that, guys. For all that stock market growth we had at the beginning of the year, we lost it all. We lost it all in the last week, primarily because of two reasons. Because the president mishandled the negotiation regarding the shutdown of the government, and because government shutdowns freak everybody out, there was a massive sell-off, and you, you, you have to stop pretending that the trade war isn't hurting. The trade war is hurting, and it's hurting the stock market, and it's hurting everybody's portfolio, all of the business interests that are out there that end up trickling down the healthiness of the economy. That, that's It caused a crash here at the end of the year. And if that would have happened under Barack Obama or some left-wing president, you'd be very upset about it. The deficit is giant and still ballooning, and you would be upset about it if someone on the left were in charge. How about this one? We're ending the year after two years of Republican control of every branch, uh, well, all three, uh, let me say it this way, the two chambers of the legislative branch and the executive branch. We're going to finish those two years with Planned Parenthood still funded, but the border wall not funded. That's how we're finishing. That's exactly what you told me would happen if we didn't vote for Donald Trump. That Planned Parenthood would stay funding and the border wall would not be funded. That's exactly what you got. And we have this American broken brain where I put some of that out there on Facebook and people were responding, defending the president. That is some kind of Stockholm syndrome, guys. That's some kind of the syndrome you get when you're a, an abused spouse that you can't you can't let go of, oh, he's, he's, he really does want the best for us. He, he really is trying his best. He just sometimes makes mistakes. But that, that is an unhealthy brain you have there. If you can see all that and still be satisfied, if you can see all that and still defend the situation, that's your broken brain. And that broken brain is, it goes back to things that have been a theme on the show all year long, this tribalism, 
you would want to shout back at me, but but the Democrats, but the liberals, but the... How about this? Ooh, listen so closely. Instead of worrying about all that garbage, how about we grow up and worry about what's right and what's wrong instead of who the bad guys are and who the good guys are? Instead, grow up. Well, let's not leave the left out of this either. You're telling me that if a Democrat president would have pulled out of Syria precipitously and is signaling a pullout of Afghanistan, ending wars, and then funds Planned Parenthood and doesn't have, and, and then bans bump stocks from the executive branch, the left would celebrate and throw a party for that president. But because it's this president, and, th- and Donald Trump has broken people's minds, he's broken their brains where they just can't, examine things with any kind of objectivity, they're still upset about all those things. The left, the left, the folks that went nuts about Iraq and Afghanistan and called them illegal wars, pulling out of Syria, pulling out of Afghanistan, they're now criticizing that? Here's why. The American brain is broken. No one is evaluating anything based on right and wrong or ideology anymore. We're all just evaluating everything by our stupid political teams. I have to take a break. I'm already over. But when I come back, I have a couple more thoughts on this. And we'll move on. And we'll lighten up. But this last week has been so indicative of the problem we have nationally. We're going to finish up that talk when we come back for the remainder of the Corey Act show. Welcome back to the Corey Act Show. Connect to the show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Instagram. I think I said Instagram. Yeah, any of the social media out there, you can connect to the show. Look for me, Corey Act. You will find me there. And share the show if you would be so kind wherever you find it. If you listen on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you are listening, I am grateful for it. And if you would share, tell, tell someone else about it, uh, it would be a great a belated Christmas gift to me. So this last week of news, while the year went out, was really indicative of how the American brain is broken and how folks on the right can just see news that should upset them, but because it's the person on their team, they just don't care. They don't care at all. And the folks on the left see things they should love, but they still don't love it because the personality doing it is a personality that upsets them. And so they get really, uh, they get still upset about it. Like it really did blow my mind this week. And I want to talk about the issue as well on the merits. Seeing people on the left upset about withdrawing troops from Syria and Afghanistan. Guys, I'm old enough to remember 2003 through eight. I'm old enough to remember that George W. Bush was a war criminal, right? That's what you all called him on the left. All you wanted was the end to the war. I remember the bumper stickers that were end this war. Now, they would uh, cross out the, like it, would, it would be the words endless war, and they would cross out the L-E-S-S on endless and put this in front of it, so it would just end this war. I remember all that. And now you don't want out, at, want out of Afghanistan. Now it's the worst move ever. Now it's, now getting out of Syria is the worst move ever. And for folks on the right, guys, I'm old enough to remember 2012 and 13. I'm old enough to remember when you criticized Barack Obama for leaving Iraq because you said, by the way, correctly, if we leave Iraq, 
some other power, it's going to create a power vacuum, and something worse is going to take over. You know what that worst thing was? It's called ISIS, and it did happen, and it was terrible, and it's caused all kinds of problems in the Middle East. You were all very much on the right against getting out of Iraq because you thought it would bring instability. You know what's going to happen because we're leaving Syria? It's, gonna, it's not going to be good. Iran is going to take, is going to fill in that vacuum. And so uh, everybody is showing from every side how no one actually believes anything. How you're all, I'm gonna, I would usually include myself in that. I'm just going to say you. And it might, not inclu- it might not include you. I would ask you to search your own heart, to ask yourself, does this include me? And if it does, fix your brain. And if it doesn't, then be grateful. But ask yourself if it includes you. That everyone is just a hypocrite. No one actually believes any of this stuff. No one believes anything about guns or Syria or Afghanistan or, or, tr- or trade and tariffs. No one believes anything about the deficit or the border wall or Planned Parenthood. The only question we all ask ourselves is, well, who did it? What team are they on? Are they on my team? Because if they're on my team, it's okay. I'm sure it's okay. Oh, they're on the other team? It's the worst thing they've ever done. Everybody grow up and get smarter. Actually know why you believe the things you believe. And then stand by them. Now, really quickly, on the Syria thing. I tend towards the president's decision being the right one here. I am so done being in Afghanistan. That's unfixable. Those folks don't want representative republics and democracies. That that country shouldn't even be probably shouldn't even be called a country. They've got a national government, but it doesn't matter. They're all run tribally. They're all running like it's AD 700. They've got their tribal leaders out in the hills. We're not instituting something like a national government in Afghanistan. Let's come home. And if and if it does create a, some kind of vacuum, maybe maybe be part of a coalition that tries to deal with it if, if it affects us directly or if it's causing some kind of genocide. I mean, I tend to be for it. James, James Mattis leaves the administration seemingly over disagreement over these two issues, leaving Afghanistan and Syria, but I think Mattis is wrong. I think he's wrong. I would rather get out of Afghanistan. Staying in Syria, I can see an argument for it. We had 2,000 troops there, and basically their role was be the warning so that Syria, so that Russia, so that folks who might even commit some kind of genocide against the Kurds or do something really heinous be in the country as a very... Uh, as a very obvious presence, so that they know if they do the do something very wrong, there will be mass consequences. Now, I talked to a military person who said, "Yeah, we can leave Syria anyway because we are everywhere in the Middle East. We can be right back in there in hours, within hours, if we needed to. We could have troops on the ground." Yeah, so that's fine with me then, leaving Syria because it, it's likely it is likely the case. Just coming from Kuwait, coming from. Uh, whatever that's uh, the sea right east of Iran. Can't remember the name of that sea. Or I'm sure we have uh, we have giant boats. What do you call those things? Aircraft carriers? I don't I don't remember. I'm not a military guy. Like we've got resources. We've got military resources in the area. If you really needed to stop something horrendous that was happening, uh, but on the merits, because that's how I evaluate thing evaluate things. I evaluate things on the merits, not on the personalities around them. But as to well, what is good, what's smart, what's right, what's wrong, that's how I evaluate things. And I would encourage you to evaluate the same things in the new year if you're setting resolutions and goals and such. Uh, that yeah, I, let's let's get out of there. I don't know what we're I don't know what we're doing now. Ultimately, 
You know, we... <laughs> oh, so some things are so stupidly symbolic. You know, we need to stop being the policemen of the world, so we're going to leave the 2,000 people we have in Syria. <laughs> That's what you're going to do? That's your big step to stop being the policemen of the world? We really need to hold our resources for the American people, so we're going to leave the few people we have in Afghanistan and bring them home. This, okay. We, <laughs> that is like having your entire household budget. Like, we really need to get things under control around here, so we're cutting the Oreo budget out. We're not going to buy Oreos anymore, so we can get things under control. Um, I don't think that's going to do it. I think you're going to need to do more. Uh, but it ends up being the symbolic gesture, and everybody has the opposite opinion they did previously, and everyone's going to change their opinion again the next time because everything is so tribal. And so, final thought on this, this last week of news going into the end of the year was almost this perfect thing for me as really what's been the theme of the show for a big chunk of the year. I mean, we do a lot of different stuff on this show, but one of the main themes has been this tribalism. It's fixing our brains and how we evaluate information. That last week of news here in 2018 was this big screaming banner, or at least a streaming banner across the sky that says, no one is thinking straight. Everybody has weird ways of evaluating, and no one's being consistent. And so we end the year with those examples, with the, also the encouragement, be better. And we, here's what we're going to find. A lot of us, I consider myself in this. We are orphans politically. We are orphans in our ideology because there's only two families. There's the family with the elephant and the R beside their name, and there's the family with the donkey with the D beside their name, and they're both dysfunctional, terrible families. And so here we are as orphans. Well, let's all join together and maybe over time, you can actually see some kind of improvement. All right, so that's it. That's uh, the, the rant I had seeing the last week of news or so. Uh, actually, yeah, there's one more thing there. As I look through all that last bit of news. So the stock market. Going into the new year. Because, um, guys, we're only like three months away, a little bit less probably, from Democrats starting to declare they're running for president. So who's which ones are going to run? If you're interested in political outcomes... I think ultimately the economy is the only thing this president's going to be able to have to talk about because it was going quite well. But if we continue to see stocks fall the way they are, if people's portfolios start to diminish in value, um, if you start seeing that constrict money supply and raises and job market, because all that has a trickle-down effect from the stock market. I mean, the stock market isn't the economy, but it certainly greatly affects the economy. He's going to have a problem because that's really his... His big argument was basically full employment, wages starting to go up a little bit, economy just roaring along because of deregulation and our tax cut. And like he he had that argument, and uh, it's going away. And if he doesn't stop, if he does not stop the stupidity of a trade war, it's probably going to get worse. Um, if it if before it ever gets better. All right, so that's the last consequence of that. All right, here's the rest of what I wanted to do today. I like doing year in review stuff. It's one of the um, it's one of the ways my show is normal. Like usually, I mock the things that most radio shows, most TV shows, they do this, and so then I try to do the opposite. But I actually love year in review. I love the introspection and uh, the the lookbacks. I like I like doing that. I think it's fun. Uh, but before I do that, it's still Christmas season, and what I had been doing for Christmas is breaking down Christmas songs. I'm not going to do that this week. 
I do want to play something for you, or at least a lot of something, from Lutheran Satire. Lutheran Satire is brilliant. They're funny guys, uh, really talented. Uh, they make theological points on YouTube. I uh, don't, don't agree with them on everything, obviously, but I agree with them on a lot. And um, I don't know if you've heard this or you see it going around uh, social media, but let me set it up for you, and then I want to play the audio from their video. There is a, a trope that goes around secularists, um, those really, really happy people around Christmas who just really dislike Christians and want to, uh, want to attack us, because apparently that's fun for them. They like to traffic in the myth that the Jesus story is just copied from a bunch of other old things. There's all kinds of old stories where other gods, Egyptian gods or Roman gods or Greek gods, where there was a virgin birth and then there was like a death and there's a resurrection. Jesus is just a copy of all these other old things. It takes some, uh, and so if you've ever heard that, it's garbage argument, it's really lazy, uh, but Lutheran satire put together a video in five minutes to really lay out all those arguments and then respond to them in a winsome and fun way. So I'm going to play for you a good chunk of it. We'll stop some along the way. Uh, it starts here. Uh, the setting is uh, a, a Lutheran Christmas church service, and then Horus, the Egyptian god, comes floating in, and he has something he wants to say. This is from Lutheran Satire. Behold, it is I, Horus, Egyptian god of the sun, and while you all believe that you've been celebrating the birth of your lord Jesus, you've really been celebrating the birth of me. For you see, thousands of years before your Jesus came around, I, Horus, was born on December 25th. I, Horus, was born of a virgin. I, Horus, was baptized by a man called Arnop the Baptizer, was crucified and was resurrected three days later. So you see, your Jesus is nothing more than plagiarized poppycock, and I, Horus, have come to feast upon the sorrow of you foolish Christians. <laughs> okay, so uh, that's... It, it lays out really well this argument. And I think this might be worth you even playing for your kids because they might encounter this. Uh, the Internet's full of this stuff where it's, here's this, uh, can you believe you have this Egyptian god who's born of a virgin and then he was baptized by this guy named uh, Anup, which is, I think there's even part of the argument is that's like a, that the word John and Anep or Anop, however you say it, are the same name. He's baptized. Like, you can just see all these parallels where Jesus is just a total fake and a copy. And it's it can be quite shaking. You can be shaken by it if you if it's the first time you've heard it. But Lutheran satire does a very good job in responding to it here. Yeah, none of the stuff you just said is true. Yes, it is. No, there's no reference in Egyptian mythology to Horus being crucified or resurrected three days later. There's no documentation anywhere for the existence of a figure named Anup the Baptizer. Horus's mother was not a virgin woman, but the goddess Isis. And there is no specific date anywhere tied to the birth of Horus. I'm pretty sure there is. Actually, no. All of these claims and many others indicating that early Christians yoinked the mythology of Horus and stuck it on top of Jesus were all completely made up by Gerald Massey, a 19th century cuckoo banana bird self-taught Egyptologist who never provided the slightest shred of evidence for any of these claims and who was laughed out of the room by every serious Egyptologist on the planet. So thank you very much for your attempt to ruin our celebration of Christ's birth, but I'm afraid we're all still having a very Merry Christmas. I think you can actually do the really, uh, let's go with perfunctory, like the most elementary study of Horus will show you that none of that stuff is true. Now, atheists like to use it, lazy ones, 
because it's convenient and it's fun because, you know, we don't like the Christians and we want to beat up on them. So it's a fun, lazy way to make an argument, but the, the really just any work at all would show all of the, hey, he was born of a virgin, died and was resurrected. None of that is part of the ancient Egyptian mythology. We'll just do a little bit more of this. Horus. Horus? Did I say my name was Horus? No, no, no. What I meant to say was, behold, it is I, Mithras, Roman cultic god of the something something. And while you all believe that you've been celebrating the birth of Jesus, you've really been celebrating the birth of me. For you see, I, Mithras, was born of a virgin. I, Mithras, had 12 disciples. And I, Mithras, gave those disciples a meal consisting of my body and my blood. Sound familiar, Christian dummies? Actually, Mithras was born from a rock, not of a virgin. He had two companions, not 12 disciples. And the Mithraic meal was one he shared with the sun god, where they feasted not on his own flesh, but on the flesh of a bull. But even if those claims were true, Christians were already confessing the virgin birth, recognizing the twelve apostles, and celebrating the Lord's Supper before they ever encountered any Mithraic cults. So I'm afraid that you've taken neither the holly nor the jolly out of our Christmas Mithras. Oh, you. He continues on there, Luther's satire, by going through the rest of the claims, all the other gods that folks that are skeptical use as, hey, Jesus is just a copy of this, and he, at Luther's satire, he just debunks them all. That's actually one I had heard before Mithras and looked into, and it wasn't it wasn't even hard. Oh, you know, Mithras was born of a virgin in this in a Roman myth, and you go and look and read his origin story, um, even just on Wikipedia, and it says he's born of a rock. Well, that's that's different than a virgin woman. Like I understand where you're coming from because the rock was probably a virgin too, but that's different than what you're saying. In any event, my bigger point here is this time of year it's got all kinds of there's all kinds of depth and meaning uh, but certainly there are folks who just generally dislike Christians I mean, we saw this in the news that Jack Phillips case out in Colorado is maddening I mean he, he really needs to sue this this person for um I'm gonna go ahead and run this tangent We'll finish the segment this way. Jack Phillips is the guy from Masterpiece Cake Shop. He won his case at the Supreme Court in a very narrow way uh, where he declined to take the business of a gay couple who wanted a, a cake for their wedding, not just a cake, but a cake specifically for their wedding, designed by him. He won his case where uh, the Supreme Court basically said that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission or Human Rights Commission just treated him like garbage, and they did, and so they... He, he was okay. Um, but he's now just being, um, he's being harassed. There's an attorney out in Colorado who just hates Christians. He just hates us. He just hates our guts. And so he's called and asked for sexually explicit cakes. He's now asked for one that is a transgender cake, which is, of course, a thing, right? We've all ha- this, is go- this goes back thousands and thousands of years in human history where we've had this custom of getting cakes for your transgender party. That's a thing that exists. And it's supposed to be, I think it is, uh, it's blue on the outside, like blue icing, but pink cake on the inside. You get it? You get it? How cute it is. And so now he's been sued again, and Jack Phillips is in trouble again. He's probably going to have to go back through this process again. And if I were Jack Phillips, I think at some point you have to take legal action against that guy because he's harassing you. That's called harassment. It's anti-Christian bigotry. And that comes back around here to this Christmas time of year where there are those that just traffic in these things that I just played for you, these really stupid myths that are easy to debunk. 
and we should probably have some availability of the facts to just say, no, that's not actually true. I, mean, I get it. I get you don't like us, and you want to say negative things, but here's the actual facts. And so if you want to go find that Lutheran satire video, it is quite useful. When we come back, we'll get started on our little bit of a year in review. We'll also talk about the college football playoff coming up. We'll do that and more when we return for the final segment of this week's edition of the Corey Truax Show. Welcome back for the final segment of the Corey Truax Show. We will do some year in review in just a moment, but there were a couple headlines this week, too, that I wanted to get to. First, the letter of intent story. If you did not hear the the facts of the case, there's now, there's been revealed a letter that shows that the Trump organization back in 2015 when he was running for president, that there was a letter of intent with, if, if it's not the Russian government, it's a Russian company about building a, a tower in Moscow. And that's being bandied about as this clear evidence that the president lied or something weird happening with Russia because he did say during the campaign, I don't have any business with Russia. Uh, so it's obviously that, it's obvious that he did. And so that's obviously a lie. And that, that's, a, that's a problem for him, I guess, ethically and morally. Uh, nothing illegal there. It's, nothing, it's actually not illegal for him to be dealing with a foreign, in his business setting, to be dealing with a foreign country and foreign businesses and foreign governments while he's running for president. That's actually, it's not a crime. Uh, but the president is not exactly precise in his language. Like we've all sort of learned that over the years, uh, so it's a story that I think does show that he was not precise, and I would just say lied. I don't think there's going to be any consequences to it in that it's not actually legal uh, what he did there. Number two headline from this week. I do mean this. Pray if you are inclined to be a person of prayer. Pray on these two things. Pray for justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's health and pray for your country. It was revealed late last week that she was having some kind of surgery on her lungs, or something something to do with her lungs. She is a frail old lady. She is also one of the most liberal members of the Supreme Court. She probably is the most liberal member of the Supreme Court. I was somewhat proud of folks on my side, on the right, that there wasn't a lot of dancing around, like happy that she was not doing well. People behaved. That's good news. So I, I do say pray for her health. That's a good thing for us to do. But I'm, I also mean, boy, do I mean what I'm about to say. If we were to lose her, the country were to lose her, what we saw happen with Brett Kavanaugh, I think whatever comes next would be worse. I I mean there I think there might be actual real unrest, riots and things of that sort if she was lost, lost off the Supreme Court and this president and a Republican Senate were to try to install her replacement. I think we should pray for peace because I am not trying to be a doomsayer. I just mean that. I saw what happened with Kavanaugh. I saw the madness happening in D.C., not just what, the, what what was happening to him with accusations, but some of the near riots that took place in D.C. I think we could see some of that get way worse and be nationwide because when 
you know, when when uh, the Republicans were putting in Gorsuch, well, he was replacing Scalia, so it was constitutionalist for constitutionalist. They were replacing Kavanaugh, who seems to be a moderate anyway, doesn't seem to be a real constitutionalist, with another moderate Kennedy, and just replacing the moderate Kennedy with someone that the folks on the left thought would be a constitutionalist. They went crazy. If you're replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I I just say pray for your country. Pray for peace in that. And that then leads to one of the parts of the year in review I wanted to do. I want to tell you about, about my year in the uh, the parts that I can tell you, I guess, like the, the public pieces. Um, so, one, best experience, if you're just including big public things that I've done. Um, I got to see the Carolina Panthers and Dallas Cowboys this year play football uh, opening weekend of the NFL season up in Bank of America Stadium, and it was the coolest thing I got to do this year. The cooler part, I think I, think I shared this on the show, is my boy, my nephew, six, 15 years old, he just heard me talking offhand. I wasn't even talking to him. I was just at his house talking to my sister, Jennifer. Hi, Jen, if you're listening. Talking to her. I think maybe her husband was there, uh, Jason. And I was just talking about, hey, I would really love to go see the Cowboys play. I'm a huge Cowboys fan. I, I got to go this summer with um, with Kobe and my dad out to Dallas for the Southern Baptist Convention. I got to tour AT&T Stadium, and it was awesome. But I've always wanted to see the Cowboys play. They're going to be playing in Charlotte. Man, I looked at the tickets, and I guess I could afford one, but, man, it's just a lot of money to spend on a ticket. I shouldn't do it. It's not responsible. And Caleb, my 15-year-old nephew, heard me talking about it. That was on a Saturday. At Sunday lunch, we, we all eat at my parents' house every Sunday because we're a classic Southern Christian family. He had presented to me at my ticket, or at least the money to buy the ticket, because he had gone that day, took some of his own money at 15 years old, and gathered together funds from his parents and my parents and got everyone together to buy me a ticket to go see the Dallas Cowboys play. And while it was an incredible experience to get to go, it was an even better experience to see his development as a man and being thoughtful in that way. It was really good, uh, really good for me. Some other things there. Got to go fast here. I just want you to know what happened for me this year on the podcast. So the number one listened to episode of my show is when I explained uh, when Brett Kavanaugh was nominated, what that might mean for Roe versus Wade. We're talking about a couple thousand people uh, streamed that one. It was my most listened to episode of the year. So thanks for listening to that one, guys. Number two, I did seven minutes on why my congressman was really adult for wearing Donald Trump's face on his socks. That got a bunch of plays for some other reason, for some reason. And then the two shows I did with uh, with a young man from Clemson University, uh, Nathan McDowell, where we talked about faith and reason and guns and abortion, a guy who came from the opposite side. That was my third most listened to show of the year. It was another year of growth for the show. I am grateful for that. Thank you all for listening. We have run out of time for all the serious stuff for 2018. Let's move on to sports. Are you? We will finish up talking sports with our sports correspondent. His name is Heath Powell. Hello, sir. Hello. Let's start with some sad stuff, and then we'll move on to the uh, college football playoff, the Sugar Bowl, and the other – not Sugar Bowl. It's the uh, – uh, what's the one in Dallas that, that Clemson's playing It's in? the playoff. Yeah, is it the playoff. Cotton? Cotton Bowl. 
and then Alabama plays in the other one. We just call it the playoff. It's, yeah, I think Forget it's the ball names. <laughs> well, they those companies pay millions of dollars yeah, for us they to do. say their stupid names. So I refuse to say it. <laughs> <laughs> they pay me anything. I don't even know. Is it Goodyear Cotton Bowl? I, I really don't know. Yeah. That's whatever I call it, it is. the Dallas Bowl and Jerry World. How it's, about that? Yeah, that thing is incredible. I've been there. Yeah, I know. It's incredible. That's pretty awesome. Um, it'll be great to have a great team playing in it. Um, <laughs> have a very average team playing in an incredible building. In any event, this is where I want to start. Josh Gordon, the <clears throat> Patriots wide receiver, yep. leading the arguably the best team right now, certainly the best team in the last 20 years, right. leading that team in receiving yards this year, uh, suspended again. Yeah, this is a sad story to me. It, I'm very super sad about it. He just can't get out of his own way, and I don't know. He he may have mental health issues. I don't know. That's that's what he keeps. He keeps stepping away f- for his mental health. I don't know what that means. I don't know what he means by that. But he's so talented and so good, and he obviously is effective. I mean, look what he did with the Patriots in a short season this year before he left. But it's just sad to me that this keeps happening to these guys. If you don't, if you're listening and you don't, let know me rephrase. Them. It okay. doesn't keep happening to them. They keep doing it to themselves. Exactly. They're not a victim. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. This is, uh, if you don't know, Josh Gordon led the league in receiving yards in 2015. Yep. With the Browns. Yeah, he, he was, was so good, and he's still so good. And then he misses three seasons in a row because he can't stop smoking weed. He finally gets back into the league, and whether he stepped away for emotional reasons or not, the league did suspend him as well. Yeah, indefinitely. And he's never going to play football again. I don't think so. Because of marijuana. I think, I think the cautionary tale for us is for parents of athletes, yep. for parents of kids, there's a reason that we'd uh, had a don't do drugs, drugs are bad South Park episode, guys. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole, I mean, there's a, yes, it's legal in some places, it's not in others, but what, what gain does it have for you? Now, I'm not talking about medically. Sure. I do think there yeah. are. Superior medical um, Me. advantages to it. Me too. I do. Um, but he doesn't need it for medical reasons. He, he just doesn't. He's a world-class athlete. He uses it to escape his circumstance, yeah. which Martavis Bryant seems to be doing as well. The Clemson wide receiver. The Clemson wide receiver who's suspended indefinitely again. I mean, it's just, I don't get it. I just don't get it. It's a cautionary tale for to tell your kids on, here's people with incredible talent, incredible potential to make money, and t- generational wealth. Right. Ten generations from now, the yep. kids could still be wealthy because of what they did, and they ruin it because of drugs. And I think a lot of this goes back to there's no male role model in the in the early life of the kid. Probably right. Uh, there's no dad around. Yeah. They're, they don't know how to handle the success. I think they, they get successful and they get scared, yeah. and they go back to what they know they knew before. Um, I, and that just has n- not just in sports. I think that's in general. Yeah. Those two cautionary tales lead us into a quick and a tale of promise. Justin Fields, the highly regarded quarterback from Georgia, says he's going to transfer out. I yeah, guess depending on which recruiting service service you adhere to, it was Trevor Lawrence one or Justin Fields one or one yeah. A and one B. Um, whoever had uh, Trevor Lawrence is not number one. You're an idiot. You are an idiot, sir. <laughs> I've watched football now. Now, Justin Fields did win Elite 11. I watched that. Great. You know, that was great. Sure. But, I mean, good grief. We've now seen it, He's though. He's 6'6". I yeah. mean, yeah. But Justin Fields is great. I'm sure, and we'll see that at some point. Right. If he were particularly great, he probably would have won the job this year at Georgia. He probably would have knocked Fromm out like Fromm did. The other guy. Uh, what's the other guy? Eason? Eason. Jacob, Jacob Eason, yeah. Uh, so there's no indication right now where he might end up um, when he transfers out. Um, but the most intriguing to me is – with Kyler Murray likely going to play pro baseball. Yep. He's a, he's a, eligible to play immediately. He just rolls right into Oklahoma, what seems to be a perennial playoff contender. Yeah, I know that and he would do well in that offense as well. But there's also some rumor that he likes Ohio State a lot. And with Haskins probably going to the NFL, you know, either one of those is intriguing to me for him. Yes, and both are, again, if you want to be a contender, 
those are both programs that are always going to be talked about right. at the beginning of a season. You know, I think about it now. Oklahoma's been in, what, three playoffs already? Yeah. Uh, I, I somehow overlook them often. I know. I just don't think about them. As, when, you, when you talk about college football playoffs, I just don't think about Oklahoma. But they're always there. They're always there. Uh, so, now then speaking of Oklahoma, that's the first one we'll get to here. I think it is technically the Peach Bowl. I don't remember what bowl it is that right. Alabama and Oklahoma are playing in. Um, of course, I think we both favor Alabama. Yep. Um, I'll get, let me I favor Alabama, but I will not be surprised if Oklahoma wins. Okay. Um, I think the Alabama secondary is, is shaky, just mm. like I think Clemson's is a little shaky. I think if there's a weak point, it's that obviously the linebackers and the line for Clemson and Alabama are very good. Um, if there's a weakness, I think it's the secondary. Well, yeah, uh, that's a hard thing to recruit anyway. Right. Uh, it's hard. These receivers are Especially also good. when you continually lose the guys to the NFL yeah. from the secondary. Yeah. You, there's, Clemson's got TJ Green, Cordray Tankersley, uh, McKenzie Alexander. Yep. All these guys are running around the NFL playing quite well. And it's not like there you know, are 100 seniors in high school running around who are five stars who are immediately effective on the field, sticking them in free safety or cornerback, any of that stuff. Well, it's, I know if I'm coaching and I find a particularly gifted player, I'm not putting you at corner. Right. I want you at wide receiver. Yeah. I want you on my offense. <laughs> yeah. And so the, some of the best athletes never get their chance to be great covered corners. Uh, and so the ones that do, there's only so many of them each class. Right, there right? are very few. And so Alabama Clemson tend to collect them. Right. Right, but this, I know what you mean. They're, they seem suspect. Yep. I envision a game where both teams score over 40. Do you see that as well? Yeah, I can see that. But my Alabama hinges on is Tua healthy and is he effective. He just came off the surgery on his foot. Yes, he's been in practice. Yes, yet blah blah blah. But that's a lot different than full game speed in yeah. a playoff game to go to the national championship. Sure, it just is. Um, in, in which case, if he couldn't, the J- if Jalen Hurts comes in, <laughs> Alabama will lose. Yeah, they become one dimensional. They become one dimensional. He did a great job when he came in for Tua in the SEC championship, but that was that was one series. It's a totally different thing when you're carrying the team. So uh, here's why I still think Alabama could win that. The Oklahoma defense is so bad, right. it doesn't matter if you're one-dimensional. That's my thing. I think, though, with Jalen Hurts, I don't know if they can score enough to outscore Oklahoma. Oh, so they just end up being – Oklahoma's going to score so much. You got it. Oklahoma's going to score. Let's just write that down. I should agree. I but agree. with Tua and the receivers at Alabama, I think they can outscore Oklahoma. Okay. If you remove Tua and insert Jalen Hurts, I don't think they can score more than Oklahoma they can, can score. They can score, but not enough. Right. I think that's yeah, I, that's where I would right. land. And not because J- Jalen's going to play well. It's because Oklahoma's defense is so inept. Yeah. They, I mean, they might as well just let Alabama run their offense and Oklahoma play no defense. Yeah. Just <laughs> that's get the ball basically what's going to happen. Yeah. Start running for two-point conversions and things, so just <laughs> scoring a ton, ton of points. I could see a scenario where I, I leave that Alabama-Oklahoma game, not that I'm going to watch it. I'll watch the first half. Feeling about Kyler Murray like I felt about Deshaun Watson after the first national championship game, like where Murray just dominates them, right, and just didn't have enough. Yeah. Uh, the team didn't have enough in right. the end. Some kind of weird special teams type thing for Alabama, because Saban is a master. Yep, he's he a, is. I mean, he's a Sith Lord. I mean, good grief! Five national championships in ten years. Do you need to say anything else? No, uh, you and don't. it's not like they keep the same players. Mm-hmm. They lose more guys to the NFL than any program in the country, and they keep every year coming back. Uh, so well, but we both favor Alabama. I think we both favor Alabama, but I don't think it's a blowout. I don't either. And I think it's a very high-scoring game. Yeah, to me, it all hinges on Tua, Tua. and Jalen Tagovailoa. Right. Uh, then moving on, the other semifinal is the Clemson Tigers, uh, number two, against the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Uh, they're going to play out in Dallas at Jerry World. This one I don't see is as close. I'm right. Gonna, let me give you, give you my score, and you tell me if you think I'm close. I think it's a 31-21, but 
I think it's like one of those two, five minutes left. It's thirty-one fourteen, and Notre Dame gets a, like a late uh, garbage touchdown. touchdown. Yeah, so I think it's more like a thirty-one fourteen game. Yeah, we're close. I was at thirty-five seventeen. So we are in the same. You're, you know, forty-two twenty-one, something like that. It's funny. We haven't talked about this yet. Nope. We're in that same range. I think Clemson can score more than that. I don't think they need to. Yeah, well, you know how Dabo does. Once they get the lead in the fourth quarter, here comes ninety-three players on the roster getting some, which I like. Yeah. I like that. I don't think you need to win sixty-five to twenty every yeah. game. Uh, you get some guys, some experience in a playoff game as That's well. That's right. I almost see it like the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State, where Ohio State's defense was good enough to stop Clemson drives to yep. where it held them to thir- held them to thirty-one. Right. But Ohio State just couldn't get anything going. Thirty-one off. to nothing. It was yeah, thirty-one zero. <laughs> and so I think Notre Dame is. 14, 17, 20 points they yeah. can put up, but they're not going to hold Clemson off the board. I think Notre Dame's problem is Ian Book is more of a pocket passer. Yeah. And that's not a good idea against Clemson with the defense they have and the guys that are coming. You know, Venables is going to send them. That's just what he does on the blitz. Uh, they do have two very good wide receivers. Their defense is – it's not Big 12 bad. But, yeah, you know, I don't think they're a top-tier defense. They're Maybe not- a top 25 in the country, top 30. I, I even like their secondary. Yeah. I just like Clemson's wide receivers better. Yeah, I think talent-wise, I don't think this game's going to be close. No, I think you can scheme Clemson pretty well. Yeah. I think I could scheme Clemson pretty well as a coach uh, to slow it down. But You can slow it down, but eventually the, the talent and the weapons take yeah. over. They just do. Especially now, you mentioned Ian Book. When you play Clemson, you want to move the launch point because that defensive yep. line is so good. I noticed against South Carolina, and I say at Pittsburgh as well, I think Cleveland – uh, Dex, Christian, they all look a little smidge tired to me. Yeah. A month off. Yeah, they played a lot of football, but now they've had a month off. They're going to be recharged. They know this, this is it. They can't come back next year. Yes. I think that for those fresh legs yep. make Ian Book very miserable. And I think Clemson wins and that only game. that, when they do get tired, I mean, you put Huggins in, you put sure. Xavier Thomas in, and they just keep coming. So, yeah, I don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> there, there were times during the South Carolina-Pittsburgh games where it was t- – if that game would have happened earlier in the season, you're not sitting back there that long. Right. I don't think Ian Book's going to have a ton of time. I don't either. I think they can do some things with the underneath routes, the running back, you know, the drop-offs, but eventually it's going to catch up. So that is the predictions for the uh, college football semifinal games. We'll be back to do some analysis of the actual championship game next week. Thanks for coming in and doing sports. No, I appreciate it. We'll be back with another new, ed- new edition of the Corey Truax Show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.